I'm Sarah Millican, and you're listening to the Toby Hair Dog podcast. I'm not in it. Martine McCutcheon doesn't like tomatoes, and that's a fact. This is the Toby Hair Dog podcast. The Toby Hair Dog podcast. He needed some copyright free This is it. That's probably enough now. Bye. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to the very first Toby Haydock podcast. I was going to call it Lower Your Expectations, or even but I uh, I couldn't spell the latter, and I was told that the former wasn't positive or self-assured enough. So under advisement, I've gone for the humility-free Toby Haydock podcast. I am, you'll never guess, Toby Haydock. Or am I? I might just be somebody that sounds very like him. As it's audio, you'll never know. Anyway, for future instalments, I'm perfectly happy to answer any questions you send in or perhaps discuss the vital issues of the day. And when I say discuss, I mean talk about at length with absolutely no intention letting you get a word in edgeways. So, Twitter me re. If you can't find me on Twitter, well, you failed the intelligence test and thus anything you have to ask is irrelevant and invalid. But first, what is the news of the moment? Normally it'll be news of the month, but uh, I'll call this news of the past six weeks because the uh, podcast has taken a bit longer to make than I thought. Well, David Cameron, at the time that this podcast was conceived so very topically, uh, had asked for some ethical capitalism. I guess that was as a precursor to requesting some noisy mimes uh, or perhaps some Hollyoaks actors or maybe even a a likeable Kelvin McKenzie. Oh, fiscal news just in. Harry Redknapp's former accountant suggests that we sequester any spare funds we might have in an offshore account under the name of one of our pets. Good idea, though I am ruining the day I christened my goldfish tax dodger. And the best news recently has been the potential destruction of the Sun newspaper and the arrest of some of its staff. Uh, Upon arrest, they will, of course, be entitled to one phone call. I think we should all be able to hack in and have a listen to that phone call. It would only be fair. Well, that's quite enough topicality. Coming up, we have some tweets, uh, some obituaries and some celebrations. Not the chocolates. They are the confectional equivalent of bonsai, about as close to genetic engineering as the world as Cadbury has dared to teeter. It should desist immediately. There'll also be songs and sketches and not actually songs, as I can't song. But I can sketch. So, uh, sketch. This is a Toby Haydock sketch. Ooh, sketch. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate the marriage of Stephen and Janet. Stephen, do you swear to enter into this marriage with love, commitment, and for tax purposes. I do. Janet, will you love and honour Stephen by pretending to believe in God for at least the next 20 minutes, even though you're not at all religious and just think that a church is more romantic than a registry office? I will. Stephen, do you vow that from this day on you'll live with this woman in pretty much the same way that you always have? but with gradually less and less sex. I will. And, Janet, do you promise to enter into this union with all your heart and the assurance 
that if he dies, you won't have to pay capital gains on the house anymore. I do. Stephen, will you signify your marriage by the exchanging of rings and by allowing Janet's cousins to turn up dressed in kilts and sporins, even though no one from her family has lived in Scotland since 1658? I will. And will you, Janet, show your loyalty to Stephen on this special day by keeping your Uncle Reg away from the bar? just in case he has one too many and starts talking about what he calls our turbaned friends. I will. Before we sing, hum, or mumble him 576, does anyone have anything to say? Yes, Vicar. Do you promise to marry us in the eyes of God, knowing full well that we'll never come to church after this, but also aware that weddings are the only way you can really make money nowadays? I will. For richer, not poorer, I now pronounce us wedded in hypocrisy. Amen. Now then, fresh from present concerns, we're going to go across to me from the past. Whilst touring moderate-sized comedy clubs, doing my best to provide an entertaining interregnum between that moment where you leave the house on a Friday or Saturday night and that other moment at which you're drunk enough to start pouring each other and embarking about some primitive nocturnal friction, I will be answering your questions from whichever Shangri-La I happen to be eking out my sorry existence. This, as the modern parlance has it, is the interactive part of the show. Time was, audiences just let the professionals get on with it, you know, trusting artists to say, use their experience, wordsmithery and erudition to divert, entertain and, nay, even move them. Nowadays, with everyone red-buttoning here or updating their status in the Silicon Valley of narcissism there, we're expected to make everything interactive, as if somehow your contribution benefits us or, heaven forfend, even improves upon our labours. Oh, yes, quite right. I bet when Ben Johnson was slaving away over Volpone, he just couldn't wait for the local blacksmith to stick his head through the window and give his opinion on the scribe's grasp of character, rhythm and metre. You don't expect this sort of thing in football. No one says, yeah, 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 let's get Bill to nip on and demonstrate the efficacy of his opinion about how to mark Patrick Vieira. No, football interaction is rightly exiled to some crimson-cheeked fat man caterwauling from the stands whilst the skilled athletes parade their hard-earned abilities on the field, or even in the pub, where it rightly attains the status of the hollow, drunken boasting that it is. So, if you're in any doubt, let me emphasise once again how much I value your opinion. Uh, your questions will be read by an actress, but just the one. I'm not made of money. Or friends. Or actresses. Unless you know any actresses that look like slightly narked geography teachers. Anyway, over to Toby Haydoke from the past. Where are you? Me from the past. Oh, well, I find myself in the illustrious environs, the glorious habitat that is the Travel Lodge in Preston. Oh, yes. Not the one right on the outskirts, the one closest to the centre and the East is East curry house, where I think you'll find all the celebs hang out. Of course they do. They have a man just to open the door. Anyway, I tweeted merely five minutes ago and questions are zooming in thick and fast, so I'm going to answer some of them now. We have a, a question from Pete DT, 
That's PDT Comedy. Uh, Pete asks... Do you put geeky references and themes into your regular stand-up act as a rule? If so, how do you know it's okay to do so? Um, I choose when it's okay to do so. Sometimes, if I'm doing well, I will cheekily slip in a reference because if you're doing well, you feel, yes, I'm enjoying this. I can get away with throwing in a cheeky reference. They like me, indeed. They love me, indeed. They're starting to worship me, and that lady over there wants to kiss me on the face. Uh, I shall say that tomorrow people, and even those that don't get it, will be carried away on the euphoria and the fact that I could get away with anything now because that's the power of the truly gifted stand-up. I mean, I could just stand there and say, let's annex Poland, and I'd probably get half the audience to come with me. And so I'll go the tomorrow people. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's hilarious. Uh, uh, and if it's going badly, uh, <laughs> same rules apply, really. You go, well, I'm not doing terribly well. Um, you're not going to enjoy this anyway, so I may as well mention Quatermass in the pit, because then at least somebody in this room will have some joy, even if it's only me. So, frankly, I, I throw in references uh, quite often. Uh, I seem to recall at the Comedy Store, less than a month ago, uh, I, did, I, I made a reference to the Grove family. And that's about as obscure as you can get. First TV show opera, everybody, starred uh, Edward Evans. Endo2005 says, Why is it whenever anybody gives an opportunity like that, my mind goes completely blank? Well, that is the same reason, is the only time ever somebody ever wants to kiss you on the nether regions is the one time we've forgotten to ablute fastidiously down there. It's what's called life. Uh, it's, it's just, you know, life tends to give with one hand and take away with another. This is a tuggy haydog chuck. Ooh, chuck. A joke. <clears throat> Why don't students sing the blues? Because all blues songs start, I woke up this morning. There we have it then. A joke there. A joke. This is a Toby Haydock Segway. Ooh, Segway. Now, we live in a world of technology at our fingertips, access to hot food and hot water, and creature comforts the vast majority of the planet's population would kill for. So whilst it may be easy for me to get a giggle by getting all flustered about the fact that IKEA stuff is really hard to put together, or that I don't understand why that man from N-dubs wears a hat indoors and doesn't even bother to sing, or why most TV critics earn a living writing about a subject they have little knowledge or love for, I am going to try to curb my inner curmudgeon and to use this podcast to spread a little bit of joy. A positive spin. A light at the end of the tunnel, eh? a Paul McCartney in a list of dead Beatles. So, I've decided to do a feature called The 700 Wonders of the Modern World. <laughs> Will I do 700? Unlikely. Well, ridiculous. That would suggest there'll be enough interest in this podcast to sustain 700 editions. As I record these words, I haven't even published one yet. I'm not arrogant enough to think that the gaping maw of cyberspace expectation wants to consume 700 gigabytes worth of my meandering. I'm not without ambition, though, so of course I hope that this is listened to and enjoyed and perhaps gets some kind of life of its own. But frankly, if it is successful, do you think I'll carry on doing it when TV and theatre and film and, dare I say it, the throne come a-calling? <laughs> not on your Nelly. 
I won't need you then. Anyway, I've decided that everyone is too critical nowadays. Comedy is easy when you're pointing out someone's faults and foibles and hypocrisies. But life is a miracle, a confluence of scientific processes that has led us to create a societal infrastructure which feeds and clothes us all and still has space for the joy of art and, and nuance and, and the theme tune to Paddington. And so... The 700 Wonders of the Modern World, number one. Now then, the mark of any civilised Englishman is the quality of his toilet reading. Even as a miserable child who would while hours away reading books whilst trying to distract myself from the sheer biological horror of what was going on at the other end, I dreamed of impressing people by lining my lavatory shelves with books of witticisms or trivia. Now, fear not, this will not be a podcast of toilet humour. Not really my cup of tea. I'm, I'm not one to make jokes about farts and wheeze and poos. I'm not childish about such things, but there's a place for them. And that's in a special room that has a lock on it for a perfectly valid reason. Which is because what you get up to in there is your business and nobody else's. I have as little intention of telling you the ins and outs of my behaviour in that private sanctum as I have for discussions about the prisoner um, people uh, content in my cellar. But, mechanics aside, the art of the lavatorial library is a carefully balanced one. You need something that can be read in short bursts, but rewards the returnee and greets him, uh, ladies don't go to the loo, like an old friend. And the prize of any collection, it freezes out Coleman balls, privatise excellent volumes of broadcasting blunders, Simon Bond's 101 Uses for a Dead Cat, a classic of the genre, oft copied, never replicated, and The Onion Annual, which looks the part but is actually too hefty to read in comfort. It's a coffee table book, really, so for these purposes, allegedly only of use to Una Stubbs and her coitery. <clears throat> no, the ultimate toilet reading book is anything from The Far Side by the mighty Gary Larson. There's a beautiful quality to this stuff. The character and feeling he manages to imbue in anthropomorphised creatures with the scantest of penstrokes is a testament to his genius. He treats tragedy and strangeness with the same quizzical eye, wryly observing the foibles of life and the ridiculousness of humanity. Favourites include a juggling dog unicycling across a tightrope with a nervous look about him. The caption reads, High above the hushed crowd... Rex tried to remain focused. Still, he couldn't shake one nagging thought. He was an old dog, and this was a new trick. Sweet, pithy, beautiful. He often doesn't even need captions. The look of dumbfounded shock, not visceral though, these cartoons even treat death as an occupational hazard of the accident-prone, of a hang-gliding man in front of a big whirring propeller and two oblivious 747 pilots seems to say, one day your time will be up, and it'll probably be due to incompetence or some bizarre quirk of misfortune. Ah well. He's not a frivolous man though. His writings show a deep affinity for the animal world, and it's no accident that these creatures he humanises in turn emphasise our animalistic origins. He's a keen conservationist, but any moral through-line in his work is not hectoring at all. He charms you into his world and makes you laugh or smile ruefully when you're there. Larson's is a low-key genius, but no less affecting for that. And just to prove that true love is ever a rocky path, there are also a number of these cartoons that I don't remotely understand, but will pretend to rather than look like an idiot in public. And so all of us lesser mortals are kept in our place, as it should be. 
Gary Larson, The Far Side, number one in the 700 wonders of the modern world. I salute you. This is a Tommy Haydock sketch. Ooh, sketch. Hello, BBC Switchboard. How may I help? Yes, I'd like to complain about the evil bile you splattered onto the faces of innocent viewers last weekend. I think you should refund my licence fee. As a grandmother... But you're a man. How dare you! You wouldn't say that if I was a Muslim. I think the BBC should be ashamed of itself. I'm terribly sorry. Don't contradict me! I didn't. Yes, you did. Just then. Well, yes, but I didn't... Oh, so now you discriminate against the precognizant, do you? Of course not. I knew you were going to say that. Which programme's the subject of your complaint? Typical BBC Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation muck. Filth. Utter tasteless filth you disgorged into my living room. Ready, steady, cook. And what didn't you like about ready, steady, cook? They made risotto! And what's so unsuitable about that? I don't like risotto. Can't you show some consideration? But I'm sure a lot of our viewers do like Don't oppress me! It's culinary discrimination from the rice mafia, that's what it was. And that's not the only programme that makes me want to set fire to my licence fee. What about Sherlock? Completely unsuitable viewing. What didn't you like about it? His shirt. His shirt? You're complaining about a programme because you didn't like the colour of someone's shirt. Did I shirt. say colour? Oh, you'll be calling me a racist next. I'm sorry. I in no way wish to say Well, I am. So there. Uh, what are you going to do now? Make a documentary about me? I bet it'd be biased. BBC British Black Consortium. Well, I'm sorry you didn't like his shirt. Is there anything we show that you do like? Yes. I like Antiques Roadshow. Good. How dare you? I'd like to complain. What about? Antiques Roadshow. But I thought you liked it. I do. And you went and showed it at 6pm last Sunday. We always show it then. Yes, but last Sunday my friend Marjorie came round for tea. I've had that appointment for months. Is it too much to expect you to show my bestest programme at a time that's convenient for me? I pay Fiona Bruce's wages, you know. And she's got a look in her eye that suggests she likes it a bit unconventional. Well, there's a place for that kind of raised eyebrow, madam. And it's not amongst the Ming, I can tell you. Still... I like the looks of disappointment. And couldn't you check with me before airing my favourite show? Did you think to record it? Oh, did you? Well, no. How dare you? Typical lack of thought for the viewer. How'd you expect me to do something that you can't be bothered to do yourself? BBC, British, blinking, custard. You disgust me. Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, don't interrupt me. I'm saying goodbye. Goodbye. No, 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 it won't work. You can't stop me by groveling. Okay, then. Stop harassing me. I'm fed up with your excuses. You're just wasting my time now. Okay, goodbye. No, 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 no. Goodbye. And another thing. I think it's about time you put Eamon Andrews back on the television. You never seem to give him work anymore. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, ignoring me now, are you? Yes, yes, that's it. You just ignore me. That's the attitude one's come to expect from the B- Blinkered Barbarians Committee. Yes, yes, you just... You just... You, uh, hello? Hello? I just wanted someone to talk to. And now, a change of tone, if I may, as I round obituary corner... No kings, queens or politicians here, just a personal selection from amongst the recently departed whose faces we've let into our living rooms over the decades whilst perhaps rarely stopping to note their names. Now I'm aware that this 
podcast purports to be entertainment. So we're going to have a little offshoot where I do a roundup of the many people who've left us in the past six weeks or so. But for now, I'll just go over to David Kelly, the Irish builder O'Reilly, who made such a mess of faulty towers. Kelly's wiry physique and creased, slightly confused air made him excellent comic support on TV over the years, notably as the one-armed Albert Riddle in Robin's Nest, for those of us of a certain age. I was delighted to see him win some pretty hefty film roles latterly, notably as Grandpa Joe in Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and alongside that other missed old rogue, Ian Bannon, in Waking Ned. But for me, there'll always be a soft spot in my heart for Abdab in Whoops Apocalypse, the fawning manservant of Bruce Montague's incompetent Shah, who comes out with ever more inappropriate and over-embroidered overtures to his idiot of a master. He steals the show. Is that you, Twinkle of the Galaxies? <laughs> Tell me, Abdel, am I in hell or in purgatory? You are on a British cross-channel ferry, master. <laughs> oh, I, I thought I was blown up. Everyone thinks you are blown up, master. Now you can travel to Britain in safety and comfort. <laughs> you don't sound well, Toast of the Zodiac. <laughs> yes, you're very hot and feverish. <laughs> I have some coffee here to cheer you up. You've just poured it over my face. Signs and apologies, Scott of the Antarctic. <laughs> So R.I.P. David Kelly and indeed everybody who features on this podcast's offshoot, Obituary Corner, which you'll find elsewhere on the internet. This is a Toby Haydock link. Well, that's it. Next time, I'd like to add a segment called A Thing. This can be anything you love. I think that despite all the knowledge at our fingertips, we don't know enough. So I want to find out about things. Please do send in your suggestions, something you think is fascinating, something you enjoy, something that I can communicate to the listeners, because they've both got an awful lot of time on their hands. I want this section to be full of interesting facts and shared zeal. And uh, don't worry if you're worried uh, what will happen if nobody sends anything in, because I'll pretend that they have. But go on, do it. It could be anything. Although close encounters of the animalistic kind would be totally out of the question. I can't edit pig ecstasy on Garage Band. Believe me, I've tried. Till then, let me entice you to listen to next month's podcast, where the credits will definitely not be read by Ricardo Montalban. There'll definitely be a joke uh, and also a fact next month, and Obituary Corner probably won't feature, sadly, Jedward's career, the BBC's credit-shrinking policy, or those headphones that leak other people's music on every single train I go on. Till then, peace, love, uh, except for you headphone people, and tatty bye. This has been Toby Haydock, making noises in a hopefully entertaining, or at the very least, mildly diverting fashion. That was the Toby Haydock podcast. It featured Toby Haydock, Catherine Mount and Lee Fennick. He only asked me to read the credits, bloody idiot.
Are you still listening? Really? Have you fallen fallen asleep? The 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 content finished ages ago. Um. Um. You're weird. I mean, this bit can't be important. I haven't even gone back and edited it so that I could say the word finished properly. I, this, I don't care about this bit. I mean, it's torn. And, as far as I'm aware, nobody's ever going to hear it. So, you know, it doesn't matter if I do that or, or attack a nun or go away. You got anything better to do? Well, I suppose if you had, you wouldn't have been listening to this in the first place. Um, should we just uh, sit here then?